Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash for your free audiobook download. Wow, that was the most that was the most pro sounding ad read I've ever had. February 27th, 2013. This is Idle Thumbs 96. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. And Sean Vanneman is off killing and stuffing an alligator for the Idle Thumbs office. <laughs> so we're joined this week by Brad Shoemaker. Hello. I don't Did you have to how... just like, think of his name there? I was trying to think of... I was trying to remember which Idle Thumbs nickname you stole, but you, you didn't steal one. <laughs> Man. So... <laughs> You cut right to the chase. That's okay. You, um, you've exposed my secret reason for being here, which I is think... to mine this podcast for new memes. <laughs> so you're, what you're saying is, fuck Brad Shoemaker. Yeah, basically. Congrats, yeah. Brad Shoemaker. It's nice, nice to be in your fancy space. Mm-hmm. Here. It's pretty fancy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's called cube. the fancy space. You get, you have, called, you, yeah, welcome to the fancy you space. You have baffling on the walls. I know. It's, yeah, we got sound baffling. You, you guys know how audio works. We've got some mic, fancy microphones for the fancy space. There's like a nice kind of mint green color on the wall that was here when we got in here you haven't painted yet i see we actually did we painted all the walls except for for some reason we painted all the walls except those two i wanted to left the accents (laughs) i wanted to leave two mint green walls up in honor of the the middle-aged graphic designer lady who used to work in here (laughs) yeah um yeah so thanks for showing up on this show thanks for talking about our baffling let's talk oh i thought we were (laughs) let's continue talking Jake, you talked yesterday to some high school students. Oh, man. Apparently. We're just going to go right into it. So, Are we not? Get ready for this non-story. Uh, Jake um, doesn't have a story about this. I thought he did. No, it's it's fine. Um, basically, my girlfriend teaches high school, and they've made, man- they made club membership mandatory for freshmen. So... And then no, like you have to pick. You have to join a club, and then obviously no freshman joined clubs because none existed that anyone wants to be in at a school. When you first said they made club membership mandatory, that my brain processed that as like everyone's got to get fucked. Like what? Oh no, I was thinking of like. Oh, you move into this neighborhood? Got to join the association. And it's oh, I like thought you weird... meant like they've all got to like get get pumped. Like <laughs> <laughs> what? Never mind. Oh, like a like a gym? Yes. <laughs> they all, yeah. No, everyone has to join some sort of club, and because no one joined clubs, uh, some weird ones sprang up that were sort of faculty sure, sponsored. The like there is an anime club, club now, so the kids right, will join that. And there's a zombie club. So I ended up going. What? Yes. What do you do in Zombie Club? You talk about and watch zombie stuff at lunch once a week. I just 100% assumed, like, oh, so there was the video game club. No. There's the technology club. Like, there's the programming club. No, Jake was a featured speaker at the Zombie Club. Yes. I was... (laughs) So I I ended up showing up... Is there a bacon club? Fuck clubs. Whoa. (laughs) Wow. I'm sorry. So you went to speak at the zombie so There's also they, they, a Chris Ramo club. But, oh, cool. That's my uh, favorite They didn't tell club. you about it. No, no, no. no I, thought, I thought it was fuck clubs. 
<laughs> let's, let's be consistent here, please. I'm sorry. It's so, fuck clubs. So they brought that in club a- does not exist in school. <laughs> um, so I ended up going there and spent like a half hour talking about The Walking Dead, but that was not the part that was weird. The part that was weird was being on a functioning open high school campus for the first time since I was in high school. Now as a 32-year-old adult. I have not been on a high school campus since I graduated It's weird in all ways. This has nothing to do with video games, nor is there going to be a coherent point to this story. (laughs) But walking around on a high school campus when you're an adult is fucking horrible because I guess you could probably predict what's what your brain is doing, it's but it's already, doing all things at once. It's already <laughs> awkward for me, even just to hypothesize. Like your brain is immediately like, oh, I'm in high school now. But also your brain is like, yeah. I'm an adult. But I I I recognize yeah. like oh it's it's terrible. Like I had to yeah. go sign in, in the administration area and <laughs> I j- I wrote my name down on a thing at the receptionist desk and then stuck a sticker on myself and then immediately went through the back door of the office to sort of like work my way to the library. And I just felt like I was in trouble the entire time because the it's only, cause in high school, it's because the, you're, you, you never see the adult exactly, parts. Yeah. yeah. You spend four years in high school, but you never go to like with rare exceptions. And, and when those exceptions occur, they're themselves strange, discordant moments. You never go to the teacher's lounge. You never go like, behind to the other side of like this wall that kids yeah. are never in. And also when you become an adult, unless you're become a high school teacher, you never fill those experiences in. So right. they've always been, so there's just these everything mysterious else, parts like, of the school. It was you really you wanted to drive a car, so you get to know what that's like. Oh, you get to know what it's like to go into a twenty one and up bar or club. Like whatever. Like those are all things that right. like you fill in like, as you get older naturally. I, but. I had I got there a couple hours early and I had to just wait until that meeting started and i ended up getting set in the library because i just i had my laptop and i could get some work was there done. a bunch of high school kids in there uh or no was it during class so it was it was weird. during class but it, yeah. it, that was a weird bonus thing because there were a bunch of prisoners coming in to talk to some other group <laughs> wow. but the weird thing was talking to the librarian and the library tech and they were like oh yeah it's fine you can just sit in our office and hang out in there during this time and i was like Duh. oh thank you i was like three thousand times more grateful than i would be <laughs> to a normal person because in my brain i'm now 15 years old i'm like oh man tech. thank you so much for letting me use this room this chair is so comfortable <laughs> it was terrible and the flip side of that is presenting all of the walking dead stuff to these kids Step one, I I checked and they had all signed waivers because I was like, okay, let's just look at this game. Fucking fuck shit. Fuck. Like <laughs> hammer to this person's face. Like yeah, right. blood splatting yeah. everywhere. And I heard yeah. two teachers in the back of the room, one of whom walked in because I guess they liked The Walking yeah. Dead. And like, this content's really violent. <laughs> oh, it's okay. They signed waivers. But then like talking to the kids, mm-hmm. I just felt like I was a student. It was gross. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, man. Hilarious. Anyway. Uh, this game, blah 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 blah, like creating empathy, something something, and then like just blank stares. Like, okay, wait a minute, I can relate to you as a human being because I was at one point <laughs> right. your age. Yeah, but now I think in a way that is completely different from you. So I just yeah. tried to say, like, just all the I, things what that I, you would say to appear, right? Yeah, and then just like, oh, cool. So anyway, then I just made a character's neck get three times longer than it was, and everyone <laughs> thought that was hilarious. And the presentation <laughs> was over. <laughs> uh, it was yeah. really odd. It's funny how you don't. Um, come face to face with those um the change in your own internal mental state until it's contrasted against something right yep. because i don't i don't feel like i think differently than i did in high school but i clearly do yeah it's, it's but a, you don't you really don't feel like you do it's most a, of the it's time. a really good reminder that you as your current age have all previous ages inside of you stacked. As, like yeah, stacked basically yeah, so it's like stacked. when 
when you're 32, which is what I am, you're also 31 and 30 and 16 and 15 yeah. and 14. Yeah. But there's overriding factors on top of those things mm-hmm. that just like, oh, it's weird to, yeah, it's weird to be hanging out with a bunch of 16 year old dorks and be like, oh, you're probably people who could be my friends. Wait, no, you're hilarious. <laughs> Wait, you're, you're you. Yeah. Yeah. It's really odd. That was what that was my video game that I played this week. So had they all played the game, or most of them, or a good a surprising percentage had, yeah, which yeah. like, uh-huh. yeah, it was weird. It was very odd. The end. Telling you a story. <laughs> I was when you were telling the thing about how you how going into the places still felt new and weird because you'd never been in them really before uh, as a kid or as an adult. I was <laughs> I was sort of groping around in my brain trying to find a way to connect that to video games. And I was like, much like in Counter-Strike, you explore an office building, uh, but through the new perspective of firing guns everywhere. <laughs> and then I realized that's just true of every single environment you could ever choose from a right. video game, which is much like exploring this supermarket or this field or this airport, uh, but shooting guns oh, all over. a sewer, an <laughs> yeah, office right. building. Yeah. Yeah. So that's too bad. But Yeah. Oh, the other... This is just stupid, weird details, but just adding to the surreality of the experience. The only I had regularly been behind the behind the scenes of schools because my mom mm, was a right. high school principal. Yeah. So then I I felt simultaneously like I was an adult, like I was in trouble when I was sixteen, or like I was six and going to work with my mom. <laughs> so like all of those happening at the same time was oh, a man. disaster. It's fine though. Yeah. Um. Sounds fine. So, you know, just I recommend trying it sometime. Just try walking onto a high school campus as an adult and just wandering <laughs> around through the administration, the administrative buildings. And Your maybe experience might result in a different outcome than yeah. Jake did. But give it a shot, though. Why not? Try what could like, go wrong? Sit in the library while some prisoners are brought in. Friends with... <laughs> cool. Well, good story. I like yeah, that sit story. down with some students at lunch and talk to them about what video games they like. <laughs> Tell them about zombie attacks in a video game. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, Make a guy's neck elongate. <laughs> Don't do that part. Do all do all of those things. Yeah. Which which guy was it? I have to ask. It was Lee. Okay, that's the easiest and the most hilarious. Sure. Cool. Yeah. Have you been playing anything recently, Brad? I have. Oh, have you I played thought, video games? I thought that was constantly. It's that's very, not the norm around here. So it's exhausting. It's, it's, um, um, welcome. I thought I thought long and hard about which game to bring with me. Oh, shit. for my wow. section of show and tell. That's awesome. Uh, is it Mario Land 2, the six golden coins? Yes. Oh, is. good. Wait, wow. is it seriously? How did you know? <laughs> Crazy pull. That, no. <laughs> well, I thought there might no. have been a giant bomb thing no, that, like, that no, was there's not. a quick look or something. I don't know. Uh, I've got several I could talk about, but I feel like this is the one that needs to be talked about. I also feel a little bit like I'm throwing chum to sharks here. Go ahead. Tomb Raider. Oh, man. I was hoping you'd bring that up. Yes. Uh, I'm not quite done with it yet. Full disclaimer. That's fine. Whatever. Probably played it yet because it's not out. So probably like two hours from the end or something. But sure. I've seen. I've seen enough. the most of it. Or I mean, more than enough to discuss on this podcast. Sure. Uh, what do you want to know? It's a weird game. I'm not well, sure where to start. I mean, and and the, more than that, more than the game itself, like the atmosphere surrounding yeah, no, the aura exactly. around the, the game is so like about. weird and gross. Yeah. Like I don't even know where to begin. No, totally. Like I, this is so strange because I've seen. I mean, you know, the all the discussion of this game has just been fraught just yeah. ever since it was unveiled in it, in its current form. Um, and then even since it's released, I feel like my just mental grip on what this game is is super loose because I've seen some – I haven't actually sat down and read any reviews, so that's the main reason, right? It's because I, I didn't 
I wasn't like prepping to talk about this game, I guess. Maybe I should have. Um, so I didn't go out of my way to like familiarize myself in great depth. But just seeing the stuff that comes over Twitter and everything, I've seen some people say it's like an incredible return to form and like a really great update of this franchise. And I've seen some people say it's just really kind of gross and skeezy and like everything in between, really. Um, and the it's only a gross and skeezy return to form. <laughs> yeah, Tomb Raider. <laughs> like- IGN.com. Um, and then uh, I saw the the only sustained piece of criticism or evaluation of this game that I have seen is the Conan Clueless Gamer thing, which right. is always just hilarious. Um, and the thing that was most striking about that was the the moment. If you haven't seen this video, it's we've mentioned them before. I think Conan O'Brien, the talk show host doesn't particularly enjoy or appreciate video games. And so he does a segment so on his show make him play it on the where show. he reviews video games according to just a nonsensical scale that he invents every time. Um, and it's, it's usually him just pointing out all the ridiculous things about the game as he sort of stumbles his way through it. And uh, the, um, the uh, Tomb Raider one for the new Tomb Raider game basically consisted of Conan, uh, <laughs> Just commenting, I guess, on the fact that you spend the entire time just like watching a hot girl uh, get in trouble. Um, Serious which trouble. Culminated at the end with just a repeated death sequence that he was unable to avoid. Like they did it, they showed us like eight, eight times in a row, and it was incredible. It got just to, to the, same, like the same thing every of time. Her, yeah, of her yeah. getting her getting impaled under, the, under the chin. That was yeah, the one that we stood around pole. in the office and marveled at, and I was just like, I can't believe they did it this. It was like, gross. Really? I found it really hard to watch. Yeah. Like I. And they kept happening again because it's just one of those like quick time event things yeah. where you just like, you know, the, the gameplay is sort of of no consequence. You just right. have to push buttons or like push the stick in the direction the game wants you to sure. a bunch of times. And if you fail, uh, which Conan did numerous times, like you just get throat stab. And it's just one of the most brutal, gross things I've seen in a game. Uh, in a while, maybe that kind of thing happens in a lot of games. I don't know, but I, not in one I've played recently. Especially um, not, especially not to like kind of an underdressed female character, you know? Yeah, but like like Dead Space is one thing where you're like burly spaceman in spacesuit. Does he get eviscerated? Yeah, that that, like that? Okay. that series is also pretty bad about uh-huh, the the, uh-huh. the horrible viscera coming yeah. out of the death sequences. But yeah, there is something weird about it being <laughs> happening to a character who is intended to to look like a person. You know, sure. in a way that the guy from Dead Space doesn't. Like, like he's he faceless. Like you don't yeah, see. There's no humanity there. He could be a robot there. for all you right. know. Like it doesn't right. really make. A and lot in much Germany, of a he probably is. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, so it was really shocking, and I'm sure intentionally so. Um, but I, it still kind of bothered me in a way that made me, I guess, less likely to it, want. It to felt play exploited the video to you when you were yeah, watching. Yeah, it did. Yeah. I, I will say in uh, in the game's defense, not that I'm here to defend it or anything yeah, but, sure. but if we're you, joined if by you, tomb raider defender <laughs> by <laughs> you've played it and we haven't so uh, your sure. opinion is more valuable um, if you play well and, yeah. and it's and it's not an especially hard game uh you're not really going to see that kind of over the top sure violence yeah. being visited on her because those are just the death sequences and, right. and you know if you avoid those then not that they don't do grievous bodily harm to her on, on a however basis. is it true that if you die in the game you die for real yes okay. well if you I die in the game laura croft dies for real okay that's true I mean, I can confirm that. so on the, like one of the things you just said right now is that it's not a very hard game. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I kind of, even though it wasn't a topic of the Conan review per se, that was something I kind of was inferring from that. It looked like in that he was a able lot to play of, it? yeah, it looked like a lot of the game was just kind of 
moving through a prescribed path and like kind of jumping when you're supposed to and this and that and a lot of like sort of big high tension moments that are really just move forward and keep doing the thing like sure go left go right I, I, like, I've, is that was that how much of the game i mean a lot, that might a lot have been the, just the sequences they clipped out to show i think Conan. i think what you're describing is is are the, those are the sequences where the game is doing its kind of best uncharted impression right uh, although i, I don't it's not it's not the equal of uncharted because that's kind of all uncharted does so right. they're really good at it whereas yeah, this yeah. game's trying a little, a little bit more than that it's trying sure. to kind of expand around the periphery a little bit so uh-huh. maybe they're not quite as good at that kind of spectacle I mean, um, i'm curious actually sorry to keep interrupting you but i'm curious no. in general like is your impression of this game positive on the whole um yeah more so the more i play it okay also uh, Interesting. it's such a multifaceted game to talk about because there were the expectations they built up before yeah, you got yeah, your hands yeah. on it you know there there are the things the game itself does there are uh the the elements where they try to develop this character wouldn't give her an arc you know there there are the parts where you know how does it play what other games is it like um but on the whole, yeah, the more I the more I play it, the more I'm enjoying it. But I kind of had to. Come Why to, is that? Do you think? I had to kind of come to grips with what it was. Okay, so to what begin is it? With, which I I feel like this is a sign that I've been doing this way too long. But I find it easy to get really reductive about these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is largely uncharted. It is very much like for the most part a directed like yeah, run sure. through this collapsing bridge as it's falling apart around you. Make this leap hit the right buttons for like five different beats right and then fight some guys and then climb a wall and do it all over again you not know, like as much like atrium filled with puzzle right right so yeah. there's very little of the uh <clears throat> and this is even something uncharted does a lot of and it's kind of you know it, it sort of hails from the indiana jones tradition of sort of swashbuckling archaeologists right of like like raiding a tomb visiting yeah yes tomb raiding exactly <laughs> like you know visiting these like kind of elaborate ruins from some mystical past and like, you know, there's like a big Rube Goldberg machine at work where you have to insert stone slabs and like, you know, make a bunch of machinery. Wait, so you're go. saying, it, I'm sorry. So there's very does, little of oh, that. There's very little of that. Okay. Uh, there, yeah. there are, they even refer to quote unquote optional tombs and there aren't many of them. Optional tombs? That's what they're called. That's hilarious. Like you, that's that really literally hilarious. in the stat screen, it says optional, optional tombs <laughs> completed. It doesn't um, say optional tombs rated. Are you kidding? No, me? but when you when you finish one of them, it does say tomb rated. Oh, that's that's. I don't <laughs> know if that's better or worse. Uh, and there's also a cutscene where she lands in the middle of some giant like ceremonial hall. And she does she do the three? Point I hate landing. tombs. Does she? Does she do the three point? Uh, like the Matrix like the, the, Trinity the, the, land, the, the, the one Anime arm down, land. one arm down. Yeah, one arm yeah. down. Not really kneeling. Like yeah. she's, oh, so she's worst. not that. She's not that graceful. Like, the, the, oh. I will say, like she's fairly clumsy and she clearly her ankle. and clearly does not enjoy what she's doing. Uh, so but, you cl- can tell me clumsy, she says I hate tombs. Yes. By clumsy, though, I assume you just mean the way an actual human is, right? Because I mean, no human can do the stupid three-point idiotic right, landing. Right. But at the same time, she is like every five minutes surviving some kind of awful event that would right. know, put an end to any real person. I mean, that's kind of one of my problems with the game is that like they they built this up as the origin story. You know, this is where she goes from sort of innocent yeah. you know, college grad archaeologist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To some kind of ass-kicking heroine or whatever, right? But I don't feel like they really earn the arc. Like she just kind of hits the ground and immediately knows how to like hunt animals for food and and kill scores of like heavily armed mercenaries and stuff. Like there's yeah. no, there doesn't feel like there's a believable transition from this one character to this other character. Uh, I mean, that's kind of how I. That's a thing that sort of fundamentally bothers me about the Uncharted games as well, which is that the whole the whole atmosphere of those games and the, the whole sort of atmosphere around the Nathan Drake character is that he's kind of this, this dude. He's like this everyman character, it's but very he's light, like right? clearly the most competent mass killer yeah. that this universe yeah. has ever known. Like in the, in the world in which he exists, 
he's obviously the most successful murderer that's ever existed. Like, <laughs> sure. there couldn't possibly be someone in like, the world, Nathan Drake, <laughs> who has personally killed more people like than Nathan Drake. That, thousands. Didn't, that didn't bother me in Uncharted 2, personally. Did mm-hmm. you play the second one? Yeah. Like, just because the way that that game presents its world, the very first thing that you're doing is operating with another person who has the exact same skill set as you. Like, right off the bat. The very first thing that you do is you and another guy literally shamble all over this crazy fucking old-ass building filled with pipes and tapestries that you can climb and leap all over the place from and the two of you together machine gun every single person in the world down like it 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 at least feels like they tried to put you in a like small world that exists specifically for the existence of uncharted in that in that <laughs> that's case, a, that's sure. a totally fair point yeah. instead of saying like yeah just every single person that you encounter in that game is a machine gun toting insane yeah. person which okay. is which is Closer than than some other games, I like, think. Uh, everybody has. I think that's know, fair. Everybody's killed their first man by the age of six in that universe or something. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> apparently, apparently. like it just Uncharted I mean, Uncharted Two. Just all the characters you meet are so heightened in that case right, that it right. feels like you're in a specific sure. story and, just just for that. Whereas, yeah, I'll take that. To, okay. to I don't think it felt that way to me, but I can. I think that's a totally valid viewpoint. To, yeah. to expand on what you're saying, I'm able to in, in games like that. I think I'm able to aggregate or kind of like flatten the body count. Purely sort because it's a video it. game. I you mean, only like, count cutscene bodies. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, so that actually that actually gets into a point that I kind of body count versus cutscene body <laughs> count. Well, you know, I mean, they 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 need to present some kind of obstacles to the player, and and shooting bad guys is is a pretty easy one of those to wheel out over and over, right? You know, I mean, it's just what if you like solve their personal problems? I would be into that. I played Car Life. Well, that's what I always want out of games like Mass Effect, right? Is I always want. I want the game that is just all of the shit in Mass Effect that isn't the combat, but like for the length of a Mass Effect game. Right. <laughs> like that's right. Because they have all that shit in there where you just kind of go around talking to people and like solving weird problems or yes. like backstabbing yeah, you people. Want, you want or Mass Effect with all the weird like, and, like bespoke personal quests and tons yeah, of yeah, yeah. And I just want a bunch of that. Or well, you like could make the game shorter if you had to. That'd be fine Mass with Effect, me. I don't need a game that long. Mass Effect The Citadel yeah. as like yeah. a three hour like, experience this, on its own. There's, there's, this, like, there's this like groundswell of support for the idea of like Mass, Mass Effect CSEC detective. You know, it's just like like cop on the Citadel digging dig into the underworld. You know, Especially because that's so that's uh, is this a thing that people have talked about? I, I oh yeah, oh, yeah. Like, uh, well, I mean, we've we've brought it up on our podcast. Okay, I've seen cool. other people pose the idea. You know, it, it's I think it's a natural conclusion because so much of that first game is spent on the Citadel, just yeah. running around. Well, that's the part I loved about that. Uh, it was game, which I know a lot of people didn't, but arguably uh, the best me. part of the series. Oh, I agree. For uh, me, it was one hundred percent. Like just just yeah. a game where you played a story set in the life of one of those cops, like just kind of mundane everyday space cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could be could be <laughs> just really mundane interesting. space cop. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the cool thing about that is that it seems like it would be a a decent um, kind of uh, bridge between a more traditional AAA gameplay expectation and like going whole hog to something, you know, like Cart Life where it really is all about right, interpersonal Because you could still have a firearm that in extreme circumstances you have to bring out, but it wouldn't be understood that every mission is completed by just shooting everyone. Right. Right. You know, like if, if you were actually held to some kind of like procedural police standard where you, you like for whatever reason the the so it's a mass effect game where you open up a character's jacket and then pull out their wallet and open that up and then slowly rotate it around until you find a clue. And then you're Ken Cosgrove. What if, (laughs) (laughs) what if every time you shot a civilian, you had to go through like an hour of internal affairs investigations? That would be awesome. To prove that you should have shot that guy. But that would be, that would be what I would want. They would have to write so many weird, like 
every NPC that you shoot has its own special bespoke internal investigations uh, <laughs> trial about it. So they actually made yeah. 300 hours right. of courtroom and uh, personal counseling drama that you you can only <laughs> see by shooting all 300 NPCs. <laughs> Replay value. So we're just talking about law and order the game at this Except point. the yeah. game's over when one of those happens. So you have to play the right. game 300 times in order to actually yeah. proceed. It just cuts to a 320 by 240 shot of a gun and badge uh, placed <laughs> down and a sad MIDI right. file plays. And then it gives you your score. And it's over. Sweet. So, so Tomb Raider is an especially <laughs> egregious offender uh, at. Uh-huh. Uh, Do you kill alligators though? Oh, I haven't seen any alligators. You would think they would be there too on this island. Hardly return to form. Boars. Um, what have I been? Killing? It's it's mostly hard. wolves and boars are pretty much the only That's like fine. remotely dangerous animals. You know, as as usual, man is the most dangerous. Of course. Uh, no T-Rexes yet, no tigers. Mm. Uh, so we'll see how, where that stuff goes. But but yeah, you're they, saying. So, I mean, the, the, the kind of the, the, the dissonance between what you're doing in the game, you know, which is killing tons of people and, then, yeah. and what's happening in the cutscenes. Right. Uh, where you're expressing remorse for having to kill people. Like that stuff notwithstanding. Oh, man, that's like, a classic video game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of like that's nothing new yeah. at this point, right? But like I it's feel still like. It's lame most of the time. Like I, this game, this kind of, this game joins this legion of games that like can't resist going to 11 for like every single horrible thing that they visit on the protagonist. Right. Like to the point that. Like, you know the game is going to be a minimum length, you know, so you know that nothing right. that happens to them in the first 20, 30 minutes is really going to be fatal or whatever. So, like, why have your character imp- impale herself on a spike 10, 15 minutes into the game when you know there's, like, no consequence yeah. is going to come of no, this? You know, like, you're, you're constantly, like, Uncharted does it, Dead Space, like, a lot of these AAA, like, big action games do it, where it's just, like, there I, is no tension because because nothing has any consequence. You know? Right, unless it happens in a cutscene, like, unless it happens in a prescribed cutscene that everyone's right. going to see. That it's, but, it. but even like, when it does, even like often, like like I said, I mean, this is a cutscene at the beginning of this game where she lands on like a, a metal rod that sticks it only through her stomach. If you something wrong, though, no, right? no, no, no. This is part of the story. Oh, Jesus, okay. And you have that blood stain on your shirt for the rest of the game, and you're on you're on this island with, with very few medical supplies, and yet you just kind of get up and shake off this injury and keep going. Um, That's weird. Uncharted Two like did the, the same maybe thing, you know. Enjoys like, beating up Lara a little, a more little, but but, but again, it's not like I don't. I don't feel, for one thing, I don't feel like it's gendered in any way. Like, I don't feel like she is, she's not imperiled in any way that would not also be appropriate for, like, a male protagonist. Like, sure. I don't feel like there's any kind of element of misogyny there necessarily. But it's like, you know, Uncharted 2 did the same thing where it, at one point Drake takes a, a, a bullet to the gut and they make a big deal out of it and then they don't, you know. Like, then he just well, gets up and keeps going. Act at 100% efficiency exactly, for their Exactly, exactly. The so there is one point in this game, to their credit, where they actually find a way, an interesting way to take all of the beating up that she's been taking and manifest it in the gameplay mechanics, but it's only for like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. I won't say what it is just because, you know, people like to experience these things for themselves. It's but, when she loses that leg, but then yeah. grows a new yeah, one. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> she's hobbling around for a while and then she just gets right back up. But Sweet. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, like it's just, it's the same problem with a lot, you know, like your, your, your kind of summer popcorn action flicks, you know, where you're just putting these characters through such ridiculous shit constantly that you kind of become numb to the whole thing, you know, because well, yeah, once everything there's never any, like, everything's extreme. So everything is extreme. so insane yeah. that nothing is anymore. You know, yeah. it's like you're never concerned for their safety anymore because you know they're going to come out of everything. It just kind of it, it gets a little bit flat, I guess. Yeah, well, it's not only flat; it's also kind of disturbing to me. I mean, it's just like for to make that the thing that we just get desensitized to, right? Like to make really gruesome bodily harm the thing that becomes flat. That seems way grosser than yeah. than than just making like sort of generic 
non-specific explosion. I mean, like, right, it's still terrible to see a building explode if you actually think about it because it's potentially lots of innocent people dying or like at the very least like major damage to nearby people or whatever. But like somehow zooming that into becoming a, just a normalization of like I- intense personal well, it's like looking back Violence to seems very disturbing. Yeah, well, yeah, it's weird. The scale of all that stuff is weird. Like, yeah. I wonder if that is, I wonder if that is just a case of raising the stakes. Like, I wonder if that is just because the eighties so. normalized the explosions, so now you have to go further than that. Right. I mean, there, there. But then that just you all you're doing is there's weird there's weird exploitive stuff that's been around for a while. But it seems like in as far as mainstream stuff, like if thinking back to yeah. like it's a big deal that his feet are cut up and die hard. Yeah. That like defines that that's that true. movie, but it's not a like that's not a big deal anymore. Yeah. Well, it's also funny is that there's this this exists kind of on two axes, right? Because on the one axis you have just the general cultural or at least sp- culturally specific to this kind of like mass entertainment axis where you need to make the thing that is normalized more and more extreme in order right. for it to ever but then on the other hand, you have the like sub franchise version of that, which usually goes in the other direction. Like Die Hard's a really good example of that because it's the axis that that exists on. You've already seen like the individual guy John McClane go through shit. So to keep like to keep the franchise going and like to raise the stakes, the actual events in there need to get more and more grandiose and huge and exploded right. because then like he and you are increasingly not phased by the exactly. shit that you saw before. Right, yeah. right, right. And like that happens in a lot of franchises. I mean, yeah. um, it sort of happened in, a, I think, a slower way in James Bond. But like the m- more recent – I think James Bond, that cycle is reset itself Until they a have to make times. die, period, hard, period. Yeah. <laughs> that is now the, the exactly. thing that's yeah, – yeah, 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 it's yeah, just yeah. like he's back in yeah. that same office yeah. building. But that stuff happens in games all the time yeah. where it's like you – you have you sort of swallow your own hype and then have to just one up it to the extreme over the course of a franchise and it just gets more and more bombastic. I mean, Call of Duty is like just in a never ending spiral it's, of that. It's a little point. frustrating to hear in this Tomb Raider game because I think a lot of that also is just an issue of scale, like just scale of event. Yeah. Like in like in Die Hard, the first one, there is like one room that has shattered glass and one guy steps both of his feet into it and that defines so much stuff that happens in that movie. Whereas like if you're running through an explosion and glass is shattering everywhere and your feet step on it and then you have bloody feet that you bandage up and forget later because you have to jump onto a helicopter. Like the scale right. of that yeah, event yeah, yeah. Is just doesn't matter. Right, sure. Right. But I was hoping that in this Tomb Raider game because of the aesthetic and because of it being an origin story and all that stuff that the scale of events would have been smaller a little bit. That like – that. It, like that Laura hitting like having rebar run through her would be a big fucking deal. But right. It's, 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 they, they play it up as a big deal again, like I said, until it isn't like five right. minutes later. You know, you just don't yeah. think about it anymore. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's a shame that they don't give the events more more weight and gravity than that. But you know, like you're you're making more than your share of like ridiculous leaps and grabbing onto ledges over pits of fire and stuff like that. You know, like there's there's definitely the larger than life aspect to it. Well, right. I, I think the I think the broader the additional factor that's going on in games broadly right now is this desire. I think there's a sort of just an understanding broadly among people who make games and a certain segment of people who play games and talk about games that it would be nice if games thematically kind of took things a little more seriously, at least sometimes. But there is, I think, a lack of there's as an industry or like as a medium 
broadly speaking, we don't quite have the will to actually extend that out to how games play. Like ultimately, mass market games still have to be fairly straightforward, like very playable gameplay power fantasy systems. And so it's totally it's become totally acceptable and in fact sort of expected to make your game like gritty and dark and extreme and to act as if the stakes are very high all the time but that almost never actually comes along with raising the stakes for the player in any meaningful way uh and so like that that's i think the mentality that has resulted in in these scourge of advertisements as jp calls them you know like these games that are advertised in this way that makes everything seem like just the most dismal um kind of bleak worldview but the game itself is completely interchangeable with any other kind of generic action movie aesthetic you know where you're going around and kind of surviving a lot and killing a lot of things and jumping around acrobatically like the i don't know there's i think i think that i think some of this some of it's probably just because it seems to be what people might want in the culture at large but i think there is also a conflict that's going on in the games industry even if it's entirely self-subconscious about people wanting to act as if games can take on more serious themes without necessarily having the like corporate ability or the sort of personal will to actually reflect that right. in, in the games. What do you think it's going to take to? So I mean, you know, I've no, obviously I've never made games. I've never worked within the confines yeah. of a major publisher. But sure. what what would it take to convince the people who control the purse strings? to take that kind of chance like you you can maybe see that happening at very small scales you know like sure. a, like a small ten dollar downloadable game kind of stuff but yeah. at this triple a retail level I like don't how like what's going to bring that kind of like radical shift about i don't like i think expecting triple a games to change is not a worthwhile expectation yeah, to have. i don't really expect them to. i right think now. i mean i've talked about this a lot because i'm a, a, an optimistic person i guess but i i think that there is a middle ground between bedroom indie and AAA that's getting this increasing in size over the years, and I think, you think so. Yeah, I'm I'm very hopeful about that. Uh, now that we have new consoles coming, yeah. that may enable that price do point. I not, do I know? not think that? I mean, I don't know. I feel like things like I wouldn't necessarily define things like Mark of the Ninja and Bastion in the same category that I would define like I don't know smaller stuff than that. I sure. guess. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I guess you have to you have to sort of define what context I guess, you mean. Like, are we talking guess, about yeah, price? I guess, or, I guess you're or, right about the sort of low end of the mid tier. I think every you know what I mean. I think everything in between that and more expensive stuff is all getting shut out right now. There's, like, a, there's traditional mid sized developers are all going away. Traditional right mid sized developers all speak the language of AAA game development, though. Like they just AAA got bigger than they did. Whereas I feel like there's a space that's, that's true. That's, that's a, a little. Fair, there's a, a space that's point. a little bit above indie games. That's that sort of is bridging the gap. Like because mid-sized game development is the AAA game development of the '90s, right? They just sort of stayed at the same that's size true. as that's other companies got uh-huh, huge. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And I think that there's companies who are taking lessons from indie games and taking lessons from really small downloadable space and applying those to slightly bigger projects. And I, it seems like, and those almost entirely operate outside of the context of the traditional publishing right, model. Right, those the ones you're talking those about. Those people all exist either by because of things like Steam or because of getting a third or first party or partnership distribution deal only, right. but like not being fully funded uh, right. not by selling those. their IP. Yeah, yeah. 
And that space seems like it didn't exist four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. And now, um, I mean, I don't know where things like that game company land because they are a first party studio, but they're a first party studio that seems. Well, we'll see what happens because yeah, their we'll, Sony deal expired, right? Yeah, we'll see what happens after this. But like that scope of games seems yeah, yeah, yeah. seems like a thing that didn't exist a few years ago and now does and is growing and growing and growing. And it seems, it seems to a certain degree like. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of expect both Sony and Microsoft to deliberately be leaving more room for that space in the next generation of consoles than they did before. But yeah, I don't know. I think so too. And I think with respect to big retail games, I think big retail games are going to become less and less relevant. Not that not that big games like Call of Duty and stuff will become less relevant, but the notion of there being like a big retail release will become less relevant. It just it, um, because eventually, like in the long term. All this stuff's just going to be downloadable anyway. So when that's no longer a distinguishing factor between the right. huge high-budget thing and something else, I think it becomes easier <clears throat> for publications that maybe aren't exclusively hardcore gamers-centric, to who, which have less fewer kind of assumptions about how a video game should play. Um, I think it'll become easier for those publications to just see all this stuff as a spectrum rather right. than what it is right now, which is very delineated. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the, I, sorry, go ahead. Hold on, I'll go. You can finish. Sorry, uh, that was pretty much what I was. Gonna I, say. I was going to say. I mean, uh, it seems like the two the two mechanisms that silo games offer right now are either how they're delivered or how much they cost, right? Or yeah. in some cases, both. And right now, it's like there are two tiers. There is the ten to well, fifteen dollars. How much they cost can kind of is sort of almost it overlaps a lot with how they're funded mm-hmm. gener- in the first place, right? But yeah, go ahead. Like you, like you, you pretty much got the ten to fifteen dollar downloadable tier. I know this has has become a little bit more of a broad spectrum on the PC, but like I, I guess by by professional necessity, I still think in console terms a lot. Sure, but, sure. But at least, especially on the consoles, it's 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 essentially it's fifteen dollars or sixty dollars now, basically. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, whereas on PC, you have five dollars to twenty five dollars. Well, you and also fifty have, to sixty dollars. Well, the other huge thing on PC is free to play. Yeah, sure. That's the other sure. like entirely separate category. That's yep. like actually here. This is a good segue into what I was playing when Brad showed up. Um, were you guys aware of the game, The Banner Saga, that did a, had a huge Kickstarter? Yes, I, I backed think it, I year? think. Okay, yeah, I think I did too. I forget. Um, Sweet. I backed a bunch. Of, well, I was just like a lot. There was it was the in the Kickstarter frenzy of, of yeah, 2012. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just can't remember which all of Thanks, them backers, back. for backing out of Thumbs Podcast. <laughs> Thank you, God, oh. so much. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> but um, uh, so the, so I, get, I didn't realize this had happened. Um, they are making a strategy RPG game in the vein of something like Fire Emblem, um, but with a really cool, um, very high-fidelity 2D animated uh, art style. Um, and I, I guess like sometime in the last few weeks or something, or maybe just a few days ago, I don't know, they released a free-to-play game called uh, The Banner Saga Factions that just takes the combat system and releases it as a free-to-play multiplayer game. So you, you oh, so there there is going to be a full single pl- single player campaign. Yeah, but they also... that's the thing that was actually funded, I think, mm-hmm. primarily. But they sort of preempted it with this. You can go on Steam and like I just saw it featured on Steam. So I'm like, this was oh, the I'll let's make this. ourselves a little more money uh, project. Yeah, it's probably it probably also helps them. Um, you could it's like a, it's they, a good resource to have out there before they exactly. It's it always nice out. to have ongoing revenue when you're a company and you don't yep. have anything to sell yet. Um, it also probably helps them. Uh, tune their game and sort of just yep. do scale testing and stuff. Um, anyway, so you 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 download it and you go through just a single player tutorial where you play a battle in the you know like the XCOM 
demo where you yeah. go through this battle where everything is kind of just given to you. Um, but then after that, as far as I can tell, it's just online, which is weird. Um, I, I wish I wanted to play it more than I do because the game is in, like preposterously beautiful. Jake, you have to see this because the stuff they do with the game's backgrounds and parallaxing mm-hmm. is like 100% up your alley. Oh, because like, it has parallaxing in it? Super, yeah, it's super high-res 2D art with like, like just weird really multi-plane camera stuff. Yeah, yeah. They've, got, mean, like, they've got like stuff in the foreground with like fake depth of field on it yeah. and, and Sweet. stuff. It's, it's really neat. You, you would really like how it looks. Uh, I mean, and I do too. It's beautiful. But um, You're not into how it plays though? No, no, I am. I, I'm totally into how you it plays. You just hate it? <laughs> I just, I don't like playing this kind of game multiplayer. Oh. It stresses me out. Like, um, I love games like Fire Emblem or, uh, I mean, even to go a, a little further afield, but still in the kind of turn-based strategy RPG category, something like Clash of Heroes, which I was talking about a couple weeks ago, uh, or the King's Bounty games, Heroes of Might and Magic, stuff like that, where you're on this small battlefield mm-hmm. with like a discrete, relatively small number of units that you're moving around. Um, but I like playing them in single player because they're not deep in the same way a one-on-one a, a true one-on-one competitive strategic game game like chess is, right? Like chess is remarkably deep, or like Go or something like that is incredibly deep. These strategy RPG games are not quite so much about depth, so much as they are just like a satisfying gameplay system, or the depth comes out of other things like persistence and the combination of units you can have and stuff like that. But in terms of just like purely it as an arena thing, yeah, it, c- competitive experience, they're really not deep in a, in a, in a, in a way that. that makes me want to play a multiplayer version of it. Like I kind of just want to play it as a single player game and acknowledge that a lot of it is sort of just a puzzle game like feeling of just getting the better of the AI. Um, But I, I playing it against a person, it kind of takes a lot longer than it would in single player because I have to wait for the other person to take all of his turns. Um, It's, I, I don't know. I, I, it makes it maybe has the intended effect, at least to some degree, which is it you makes want me the real banner saga to come out. Yeah, so I, I I don't dislike anything about this, except that I just don't happen to intrinsically enjoy playing this kind of game in multiplayer. But that doesn't say anything about the quality of the game itself. Like it seems like a really well made version of the thing that it is. Um, I would just much rather play it in a single player campaign where I where the amount of time i'm gonna have to spend on a battle is like very predictable and i know that i can just get through this like series of things i don't know i there's very few games that i still like to play against those random match made people on the internet and this isn't one of them so but whatever it's free um you should try it if you think you even might like this kind of thing because why not but that the campaign is guaranteed by the kickstarter right like that will happen yeah, it's they're, not, they're it's developing not contingent it right on the, the success of this thing, right? No, no, I don't think so. That would be okay. that would be. Shitty. I mean, it's as guaranteed as any Kickstarter project well, is guaranteed. Sure, right, well, exactly. what what yeah. I mean is their mission their statement was we will make this, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like this is a spin-off thing because they had it. Yeah. Like, or what are the reasons that you were saying, Chris? Yeah, because it probably wasn't an, a huge additional amount of, especially if they were already planning on implementing multiplayer in the main game. Yep. Then this was probably a relatively straightforward thing to do they had to write the word factions under the logo (laughs) i mean as with any game like i mean jake you'll know i mean it's preposterous to say that anything in game development is not a lot of extra effort like everything always takes longer it's always harder than you think but still it i can understand why they did this and it also it is it does make the money even though it's free because you can go and do the things like 
spend ten dollars and get a pack of a bunch of stuff that you'd otherwise have to spend time right unlocking but you know whatever it's fine it's free to download and play um want to take a break yeah cool i guess no video game. so thanks to audible for sponsoring this week's episode yeah you can sign up for their service at audiblepodcast.com slash wizard and you will get a 30-day trial subscription uh, and also a free audiobook that you can keep forever, even if you don't end up keeping the subscription. Um, it's basically a monthly service where you get audiobooks to read. Uh, it's pretty cool, actually. And we mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago when the last time Audible sponsored us to let us know if you have any uh, recommendations. Yeah, and we for... got we got a few solid recs from people. We did, yeah. So um, Alex McKeon, who's a, a reader of this podcast says, uh, I have to recommend the version of Dune that they have available. It's narrated by a full cast and ends up working more like a radio drama than a traditional audiobook. Not to mention the actual novel itself is pretty great. Uh, so that's cool. That seems like a cool thing. I haven't read Dune since I was in college and that seems like kind of a hilarious, good way to re-experience it. <laughs> <Yeah. maybe. laughs> um, also, uh, speedy Desiato from the idle the forums, idle forums uh, has a the greatest recommendation of them all perhaps <laughs> probably the best recommendation he says i think all thumbs forum members this he posted those in the forums are obligated to use their free audio uh free audible coupon to purchase wizard the life and times of nikola tesla biography of a genius which is maybe the most grandiosely named book i've encountered in a while it's got, it's got a sub subtitle it does yeah it's got all titles i had never heard of this book before um, but it seems to have pretty high ratings yeah, among the Audible community. And, uh, Tesla's really emerging as kind of like a latter day, like a geek hero. He really is. Like, it's yeah. really crazy. Yeah. I know. I would, that's, I completely, I mean, agree. it's not, not crazy in relative to his accomplishments, you know, no, it's no, not that he doesn't but deserve there's the like, credit. He but definitely like, has a street crew in right. this, like now there's right. this sort of Tesla versus Edison, yes. like just historical beef that right. has, I feel like at this point has become more extreme that it's, it's like t- the tesla versus edison historical beef society and it's like yeah. where, where were you guys when <laughs> that's he- this full title of the that's the third <laughs> oh, subtitle that's, of that that's book my planned sequel to to <laughs> wizard the life and times of nikola tesla biography of a genius is uh the edison versus Te- tesla historical beef society <laughs> uh mine's actually a bit it's a it's a speculative historical fiction a little, little revisionist history but uh i think fans of tesla will appreciate what i'm trying to do with it are you saying fans of Tesla should rejoice? Oh, they should rejoice. You can expect uh, a, a reboot of the Tesla mythology. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just say this historical beef will be resolved. Oh, but, yes. But maybe new questions will be asked. <laughs> uh, I have one question that I can answer. Uh, where can you get a free audiobook and 30 days of audiobook subscription service? Well, the answer is audiblepodcast.com slash wizard. Thanks. Video game. That was my favorite part of the podcast so far. That was, <laughs> that was amazing. Video game. Uh, uh, we're back. Uh, oh, I think Jake, you wanted you wanted what? Why are you giving me? A what face? did I want? You were just gonna, I was just going to say I think you wanted Brad to 
clarify some Tomb Raiders. Oh, I want to try to talk about Tomb Raider, but first, okay. Oh, okay. I'm going to talk about the fact that you playing Zuma last week oh, man. Yeah. has made me download Zuma's Revenge oh, for my phone. No. <laughs> so that's the most extreme disaster that's happened, Wait. is that I've now clocked three hours of Wait. Zuma since last week. I'm sorry, week. so I need, to, I need to go back to Zuma for a bit, because I asked you to remind me about Zuma, and yeah. um, now you have inadvertently. Um, oh, no, it was advertent. Oh, okay. Uh, so... After we recorded the, the all the that dumb podcast last week, uh, where I talked about Zuma, this like, have you played Zuma, Brad? Are you Zuma? ages ago? Okay, yeah, so long, you don't long, have, you don't like have... a normal person. You played it once, and it was like, yes. oh, okay, it's a funny puzzle game. But it has claimed Chris's life entirely. Well, I think actually, actually the last time I remember starting to turn here. Go ahead. I think the last time I remember seeing you on Xbox Live, which was like four years ago or something, yeah. were, I think <laughs> you were playing Zuma. I don't. Maybe you sure it wasn't I'm, Steam. Are you sure it wasn't Chris? It might have been every time you hours of, on this thing. Yeah. Fifty plus um, hours of Zuma Deluxe. On yeah. So Steam. here's so I had I had it like a just a, for people who read the sense of an ending with the book club. I basically had a crazy or like um, Memento the film, like a crazy unearthing of memories over the course of the few days following last week's podcast. Like we were we recorded the podcast and I immediately went home and was I with this renewed vigor. I'm just fuck this shit. I'm going to. You're gonna Conquer beat level twelve game, yeah. So I went back and I and I sat down on my computer and I loaded up Zuma Deluxe, which is the game I was actually talking about, yeah. and just blasted through it. And I demolished level twelve, and then got to the secret level thirteen space level, and then remember, like remembered that I had like totally discarded this memory of like, oh, of course, level twelve isn't the last level. There's a secret level after that that you can only reach on the same, like if you make it to level thirteen with that life like you can't just choose level 13 from the menu right and it's like this crazy space level where the walls are invisible and stuff and i'm like oh my god i've beat this a bunch of times before and i just somehow the memory was like got buried like this memory was unearthed and so i'm like oh man wow i had done this after all like great and then the next day i was looking at my steam i was just scrolling through my steam list and i realized there was one more game past Zuma Deluxe, and it was Zuma's Revenge, which I had completely forgotten even existed. And I and so remember, I remember last week I said I'd been playing Zuma Deluxe for like fifty hours or something, right? Which is now up to like fifty five, right? Um, and then and I oh, no. the next Zuma's Revenge seventy five hours, oh, no. <laughs> an entire additional Zuma game <laughs> that had colonized my life earlier. Oh my, it was unbelievable. I had completely. God, like every trace of memory of that game had gone and I loaded up Zuma's Revenge and I started playing through it and like it really felt like just bit by bit memories were like, reconstructed. There's bosses in this one. Brain. There's hidden yeah, parts where the balls go under channels. Exactly. <gasps> it was great. It was unreal. I mean, and it's just stupid, dumb, downloadable game with balls. Like it's not even important. Um, and so I just took this game apart. I demolished Zuma's Revenge after after. Like just deciding that I'm gonna. I'm it was gonna, you who got the revenge. Oh, I got my goddamn revenge. I got Zuma's revenge. I um, I played through the entirety of the main campaign without losing a single life, like on my first try, and then that unlocks the Iron Frog mode where you have it's like a second Sweet. campaign where you only have one life to begin with. That one took me a few tries, but I did it on like my third or fourth try, um, and then I went back and did the um. I can't remember what it's called, but there's another mode that's the original campaign, but a harder version of it. I went through and I beat all of that. And now I'm on the very last set of like challenges that are like of increasing difficulty. But I'm like, 
once I beat those challenges, I'm pretty sure I will have successfully completed every piece of Zuma content available to me, and maybe then I can bury this. Then you can rest. <laughs> I can just delete local content on my Steam, you know, on my Steam client from those games. And just never fucking play them again. What is it about is. Zuma? Does it just send you to a happy place? I don't know. I'm just really compelled by the goddamn gameplay. In you Zuma. love that wacky frog. You love the wacky frog. Oh, that wacky frog is so wacky. You love him. God, whenever you beat a level and that frog just goes boo and just z- zooms <laughs> up full screen and then spins onto the next level. Yeah. Oh, gets me every time. Would you, would, you, uh, would you be interested in a game that played like Zuma but with, say, a different aesthetic treatment? I don't think it would make any difference one way yeah. or the other. I think it would have zero difference to me. Just the gameplay. Yeah. The, the it really is 100% you, have, the gameplay. Have you heard of Tokyo Crash Mobs on the 3DS? No, I haven't. I, I haven't seen it. I wish I, I knew more about it, but apparently it is it is Zuma, but with like FMV of Japanese ladies. Of course it is. Instead of frogs. <laughs> It's on the eShop. Do they go like, boom and spin towards the screen I, when this, you complete a level? This, this, th- this, this thumbnail I'm showing you is all I know of the game, but I know that it plays it like Zuma. Like- <laughs> it plays like Zuma and looks like that, and I have is no that just idea. In the background, is it like one of those sexy Tetris games where, <laughs> as you play Tetris, you is it like a sexy boob? Tetris? That may be talking about. That yeah. may be the case, but uh, I remember when we were at California Extreme. Then they had just that whole row of like quote laser disc games, I think, but they mm-hmm. weren't they weren't Dragon Slayer style. It was just there is like, uh, like jazz ball or like something oh, man, like that that's, that's playing on top of just a video of weird anime effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but this term, this one is sexy ladies. I guess it's hard to even tell what the game is. Uh, yeah, I, you got me. But I think you should investigate and report back. But if you like idea. Zuma and sexy Tetris, then <laughs> <laughs> then you're gonna love weird Tokyo Crash Mob. Game. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, I'm thinking within the next, like, 12 – because I'm going to go home and immediately play Zoom with Blocks, of course. But I think within, like, the next 12 hours, I should be – I should have completed all possible Zuma content available to me. Yeah, I, I played a few hours of Zuma Deluxe on my on phone. phone. No, maybe, uh-huh. like, an hour How is that on your phone? It's, um, it's interesting. I don't like it as much because the yeah, controls are not as precise. Like, yeah. you – you sort of hold down where you want to shoot the ball and then let go and it goes. Oh, or you can just sort of tap. You just tap and that counts as a... Yeah. yeah, but it means that your finger is just where you Obscuring want to shoot. Screen. So yeah, maybe, exactly. on, maybe on a larger screen like an iPad it would be okay. But it revealed to me, after watching you play last week, how disgustingly adept you are at Zuma. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. Both in, like, respect. Like, whoa, Chris is really good at this. And, and also just like, Yeah. <laughs> definitely clocked 125 (laughs) hours of Zuma to get where you are today at playing Zuma. It's the worst. It's awful. Soon I'll be free. No. What you don't know is that you'll unlock the additional fucking... Oh, God, I probably will. That's still fine, though. Like, there's going to be a finite amount of content. Like, the the difference between... No, the red light's going to go in the PopCap office like someone has completed every Zuma board. (laughs) And then the guy just pulls the huge lever that deploys... Zuma revenge, revengeance well, rising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that there is a lot more of is like just achievements for stuff in Zuma Deluxe. Right. Or I'm sorry, Zuma's Revenge. Zuma Deluxe is too old for achievements, but um, Zuma's Revenge is a bunch of Steam achievements for stuff. But like, I don't. I'm so unconcerned ever by achievements that I don't that I don't think I'm. Right. Like, I don't know. Like I don't really ever pay attention to them. Um, but it it does seem to be the case that my enjoyment of Zuma is very different to my enjoyment of Tetris, right? Like Tetris is a game that 
I don't play it all that regularly, but when I do, I can always enjoy it just as the like play until you die. In Zuma, I always want to be actually like achieving, like completing a stage or like finishing a camp, which is really weird. Like your performance is, is is key to your enjoyment of the game, right? Like if you're not doing well, you're not having fun. No, it's not so much that. It's more that I want to be shooting to complete something, hmm. which is it doesn't exist in Tetris, at oh, least sure. not in traditional Tetris. But like in Zuma, I'm like I'm playing this specific. Well, Zuma, you actually clear the I board. I haven't done it yet. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you clear the board. It doesn't just go on forever. There might be an endless mode, but whatever. I've never. It's never been interesting. You haven't unlocked like endless there. mode yet. God, if that's what happens when I beat all this shit, I'm going to be real sad. Um, <laughs> Especially if the endless mode just loops are incredibly satisfying. So you find right, it, you're know, like, yeah. I can just play endless mode for hours. Like uh, the multipliers no, going up. I think I'm the frog be getting increasingly excited and manic looking. This, I, this could be me just setting up all the hat and crow to eat next week, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to be done after I actually God, finish the content. Next week you come in just like your ties halfway off and like you're just hit sweat like, just <laughs> guys I found zoom endless mode <laughs> I mean, I have to say, anyway I don't work I've at double been, fine anymore I don't work anywhere anymore <laughs> I've been the funny thing to me is that I've been playing this game for an entire week before I brought it up on the last podcast oh, that, and I and that, I, that week of shame well, I'm just saying, like, I hadn't... The funny thing is I hadn't told anyone that I was getting back into Zuma, and then they, thought, <laughs> they all figured it out eventually. No, that's not what I mean. I mean, like, in the week leading up to, to talking about it on the podcast, I didn't, I didn't make any meaningful progress. And then as soon as I, like, publicly revealed how stupid this, how, like, just ruined this game makes me, I immediately went home and just like dismantled the game. Like I just took it apart. Like that's very fascinating to me because I don't think, I don't think I just coincidentally passed a specific skill threshold at that point. I think I psychologically just decided to just fucking unleash on this game and get done with it. Um, because I, I suddenly made an enormous amount of discrete progress that I had not made in the entire week beforehand. I think we might hold the record for most Zuma discussion on a podcast. <laughs> but, or by any human ever. <laughs> yes, by that's, any That's human. a little less verifiable, but I'm as convinced that it is the case. Other than the people who designed Zuma, the game. Anyway, um, Tomb Raider. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, right, that game. Did you have anything else you wanted to say? I, I felt like okay. we called it Just to cap that off, I apologize to everyone who listens to this podcast. <laughs> Maybe we'll never talk hey, about Hey, man, it it's your again. podcast. That's true. Talk about what you want to talk about. Well, now, what we want to talk about is Zuma. Talk about is oh. Tomb <laughs> oh, Tomb Raider, sorry. Both set in tombs, actually. <laughs> Did you encounter any wacky frogs who go, boo? No frogs at all, actually. Oh. Not yet. Tomb, tomb Zoomer. I mean, I'm, I'm clearly... <laughs> <laughs> what? Wow, Chris, Chris just started to do a lame uncle. Like, <laughs> is that some kind of tomb zoomer? The purpose of this game is to navigate through the tomb. All right, I'm sorry. Uh, but on. yeah, it did Please. sound like you were trying to get somewhere with Tomb Raider. Then we decided to just spin off uh, into space. We thumbs at you. I don't know. If there's anything else you want to know about, then hit me. But otherwise, I'm okay. Okay, I just All didn't right. know if you felt like no, you no, crapped no, on no, it more fine. than you expected to. I mean, it's 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 a very very competently made game. I'm just I'm not. You said because you said you I haven't like, decided I like where I fall on it. Okay, yet. you have those last two hours. We'll be telling. Yeah, definitely. The way it wraps up, I'm enjoying it a lot more than I was. Uh, there, there's a little bit of an element of uh, almost a Metroidy kind of thing where you're, you know, yeah. you're, you're you're gaining new equipment here and there. And so, so one thing they do uh, really well that not many games get away with is reusing environments. Mm. Um, like Dead Space, I don't know if you guys played Dead Space 3. It was a horrible offender at like 
kind of old Halo style copy and paste level oh, yeah, design. Yeah. Whereas <clears throat> this game, they they find narrative, uh, like story driven reasons to send you back through areas you've been in previously. Is yeah. it actually Metroid but, style though, where you have additional abilities? So that yeah, the environment's yeah, like, reused. So you'll, That's you'll, really like, cool. You'll have a new piece of gear that lets you access some That's new awesome. part of that environment that you haven't been able to get to before. Uh, and in fact, they build the cues for where to use these new abilities into the environment in a way that they don't they don't necessarily stand out and like smack you in the face with hey I'm a gameplay mechanic unless you know what they're for. So it was it was actually like just to use an example like you get kind of a, a rope that you can attach to your bow and arrow and so you can shoot a, a rope bow like you can shoot a rope into a thing and then sort of pull yeah, on yeah, it yeah. to make something happen. And the 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 environmental cue for using this thing is something that fits pretty seamlessly into sort of the aesthetic of the ruins that you're in. And and as soon as I got this thing, I was like, oh, that's where I use that? Like, I've seen a hundred of those all over the place. Like, I'm really excited to go back and see what I can... That's always the best thing. I have... Not that this means anything or matters, but the stuff you just said over the last two minutes is honestly the first thing anyone has said about this game that actually makes me kind of want to play it. I know, that same thing where you're like, I got this rope bow, and then I thought to myself, there were like a hundred of those things back earlier in the game. I was like, maybe I need to... Because everything else I've seen publicly about this game makes me either not excited, sort of just Uncharted style, like go through the motions, or like kind of weird, potentially suspicious treatment yeah. of its character. Like right. that, Spaces that fold back on themselves uh, as you, but as like you that's, go through the game. Yeah, that's cool. actually just, just, just to manage your expectations. Uh, There's two of those. In <laughs> well, <laughs> I thought I remembered hundreds I of them, but it was that one in the tutorial. They're fairly abundant, but they're not a prevailing mechanic. Uh, sure, yeah. Mainly because, for the most part... Like, do they unlock collectibles and stuff more than... Thing. That's the thing. For the most part, the best you're going to get out of those those inaccessible areas when like you get there is, is like... Well, like, there are some some collectible documents that actually do fill in some backstory. Oh, cool. Documents. Uh, and papers. Some, some relics. <laughs> how, how do you feel about rotating some 3D models of, of antique... Relics do, do they have like bump map and oh, specular shine and like a bump, normal map? Bump maps for days. Okay. Does it have? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, you can know, you it's, it's, can you click on them and then see a different aspect of them? There are a few where a little thing pops up that says rotate around to find additional information, and then you look on the bottom and it says something or, or you know, it's yeah, made in Taiwan. Yes, there is. There's there, a replica. There is actually a made in China joke on one of them. Well. Anyway, so you don't want to play Tomb Raider anymore, I guess. No, I, <laughs> I, I mean, who knows? Um, I, don't know. I did. I did think it was impressive, though, just because like so many games uh, justifiably have taken a lot of shit for reusing the same levels over yeah, and over. Like yeah. they they find a way to send you back through the same environments more than once without making them feel stale. Yeah, no, that's cool. Which I, I mean, think I, is pretty impressive. It's the actual path that you're taking Cause, is cause different. Because you do the, the 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 points of entry and exit are different when you yeah, come yeah, back, yeah, and yeah. it feels cool. and it feels appropriate to the story that you're back there, and there's new stuff to do. Mm-hmm. So like that, yeah, totally. They, they, there's like an economy of level design, I guess. Yeah, like they, no, get, I, they I, get a lot of mileage. That's a thing out that of it. I like a lot, actually. Yeah. Is, is well well reused. That, like the environment is is pretty well realized. So. Yeah, cool. well, we'll see. I I'm I feel like I'm not super duper jumping all over spending fifty or sixty dollars. Yeah, on that it's game, actually maybe, uh, we'll see. The, the the Steam version is like thirty seven bucks right now. Oh, on like Green Man maybe. Gaming. We'll uh, see. Maybe I haven't seen the PC version yet, and I'm, I'm kind of bummed because it was ported by Nixus, the guys that did oh, Deus Ex. Those guys did a great job on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. and they came out and said, you know, hey, we did extra shadowing, extra stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Um, Apparently, this is the first game to support that just announced ATI hair technology. Have you oh, seen I this? I missed this, now. It's called... Uh, There's a new oh, hair technology and we missed it? <laughs> it's called, like... I think the name of it is, like, a play on tresses. It's, like, Tressa or... Tre- sure, I, yeah. But 
I saw a lot of before and after pictures of Lara Croft with a lot of flowing locks. So mm, get, sweet. Get excited for next gen hair tech. The only on the PC version can you unscrunch her yes, ponytail. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's actually there's actually that's a, a, that's a, that's a you know you got all those extra keys on the keyboard, but only if you, you pre-order. Tressa technology. Only only if you pre-order. Then yeah, you but get the, the, the console bind for hair undoing. You can there's, let there's Lara's hair down. Right. I mean, no, you have to open up the console oh, on your the, game, see, and then you yes. bind hair undo and hair redo. <laughs> <laughs> That would actually be awesome. If you if you too aggressively take the like the just rips off the hair scalp. tie out, well, you just lose it, and then you uh, have to DLC yourself uh, some more. Okay, eyes. I thought it was going to be a gruesome death thing, just in the vein of oh, also the skin rips off her hair, her head and Ooh. face, and then just a crazy skull goes. What? <laughs> oh man. An ancient evil awakens, basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this mode is exclusive to the PC version of the game. PC version of this game is weird. Yeah, it's weird that it has a reference to an Xbox only title. It's cool. It's weird that there's another separate game in, in the PC version where you rip off Laura's face. An ancient evil awakens. And then I guess you are the ancient evil. I guess at that point you just transmogrify into the ancient well, evil. Well, no, it all sort of goes whoop and closes back in. Oh, it's just a momentary thing. Yeah, I and then she puts the... her face back on and then winks at the camera because you know her secret. <laughs> Available only when you have that ATI hair card. <laughs> okay, this... I'm definitely going to buy this game now. you got to buy that hair card, though. Oh, fuck, that's true. All hair cards include Twin Frozer technology. They do not. Oh, Twin Frozer is whoever owns that. Yeah, I forget who makes that frozer. MSI. <laughs> Our audience, they were... Yeah, we've just, lost them all. Sorry. Yeah. We're back. Hey, hey we got you. Giant, giant bomb. bomb. <laughs> uh, we're going to make fart noise now. Like, I'm not sure. Yeah. Why not? Oh. We'll be right back with Reader Mail. Okay. Bye. Video game. Somebody just tweeted me about a frozer like 30 minutes Seriously? before I got here. Like, I'm not like joking. stupid fucking graphics card cooling technology? Is that what it is? Wait, what was the... Hold on, hold on. We're back on, we're back on the air right now. What was the context in which <laughs> yeah, somebody uh, tweeted you about I was, frozers? I was building uh, or I was specking out a, a new machine for the office a couple days ago. Like, you know, we have budget sure. restrictions. So I was yeah, like, yeah, all right, yeah. 1500 bucks. What's the best machine I can put together? And I was just tweeting about, hey, what GPUs do you think you guys think are best bang for the buck? Yeah. Two days later... I don't know who was reading my tweets from two days ago, but a guy recommended the Frozer to me. Oh well, ours and I didn't know what that was until Twin you... Frozer Two oh, technology, man. which okay. is too too many things. There's two Frozer Twos. Double the freeze tech. It doesn't seem to support hair. That's a shame. <laughs> well, I will say that that, uh, as I understand it, the ATI hair technology is cross-platform. Vendor independent. Oh, is it really? So should work on everything. Oh, yeah. I that's, think that's cool. So it's flowing hair for all. Oh, that, always, that always sucks when it's like it's, yeah. it's only software hair. It, it, well, no. Well, it I mean, ties, I'm sure it happens on the GPU. It's it just ties not, into some. Oh, I've heard, GCN. I think is the GPU feature. Does that ring any bells? I'm not as up on that it's, stuff as I used to be. All I all I know is that it's not ex- proprietary like physics. Sure. Right. So, yeah. Anyway, hair. Cool. Hair on a chip. Ooh, I'm going to say it right now. If uh-huh. you want to send us a reader mail, write us at questions at idlethumbs.net. Oh, yeah, we never say that. Yeah. Questions at idlethumbs.net. Oh, man, here we go. This is someone expressing solidarity with me. Uh, Seaguard writes, 
Uh, when Chris mentioned Zuma Deluxe on the most recent podcast, my immediate gut reaction was, fuck that game. <laughs> I've, I went through the exact same process ever since Zuma was one of the Xbox Live Arcade games I purchased when I first got the console back in 2007. Play obsessively for a brief period, get stuck on the final group of stages, not touch the game, then I move on to Hexic and obsess over that for a while. Wish I had something more entertaining to say about it. Longtime fan, Corey, Indiana. Okay, this is a reminder. Yeah. Uh, what that guy said and what Brad said and what you said earlier, Chris, about Zuma revealed to me that were you to plug in your Xbox 360 and log into it, you might just find that you, in fact, played 25 hours <laughs> of Xbox 360 Zuma That's as well. I, and you've completely yeah, blacked it out. Because yeah. Brad was like, I feel like I saw you play Zuma. I'm pretty sure I didn't. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just, no, you're right. We you log could, in and your avatar's waving at you with a yeah. Zuma shirt. And like with horrible. the fucking Zuma frog behind him that you bought. When I say you're right... What I mean is I assume you're right because I still have no memory of this. But at this point, I'm fairly convinced that you are, in fact, correct. <laughs> I'm going to do a little fact checking here. Is that possible? To, how yeah. do you do that? There's an app. All right. Yeah, do it. All right. Well, we do other reader mail. Brad's going to keep researching my shame. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Let's see here. Sam Morpeth writes, games as points in our lives. Ahoy, ahoy, thumberunos. Hmm. During my teenage <laughs> years, I would spend a ridiculous amount of time playing WoW. I'm talking borderline addiction. But like many fellow addicts, I loved every minute of it. I've been thinking recently about how I'll most likely not play WoW when I get my new PC up and running. I'm not sure if I can go back to it now. I think part of my love for the game comes from the fact that it signifies a certain period of my life. Those carefree school days were my most important responsibility was keeping my 2v2 team arena score up. Now in my years after college, my life, or I'm sorry, after university, my life has changed drastically and I have to fend for myself. Uh, in this adult world. WoW itself has gone has undergone huge changes since I last played. I played in the dark and dreary games of pre-TBC when paladins were the shit when the letters BWL would strike fear into any raider's heart and Black Rock Mountain was a guild ganking hell zone. Anyway, to the point, I was wondering if you guys have experienced a similar situation where you know you won't get the same satisfaction of a game regardless of how much you loved it at one point. I feel like both WoW and myself have changed so much since I played that it won't be the same. I also thought it was interesting that MMOs are the only... Uh, Form M- MMOs slash games are the only medium I know of that alter their state so dramatically with patches, etc. Chris and Jake are unlikely to return to their favorite VHS copy of Nicky Cage fights Aquarium staff for money, only to have an iconic scene altered or find a character missing. There's no way to preserve these games in their current state, ignoring private servers, and there's no way I could go back to playing them at the point I found them most enjoyable. Anywho, pip pip cheerio, Sam Morbeth. Yeah, we kind of talked about that latter point a bit, I think, last week, maybe? Yeah. But um, to his other point, I definitely have games like that, and I think Diablo as a series is kind of that way for me now. I think I I Diablo one and two are so intrinsically tied to like my middle respectively middle school and high school experience at the time that it's part of when Diablo three came out. We talked about it on the podcast, and I kind of talked about how it didn't really bowl me over. And I think there are I think there are legitimate reasons for that, but I think part of it is also that my Diablo brain is just where it was forever. Yeah. So it's, 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 not, it's not just that Diablo changed, but you also changed. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the case. I, I've talked about this before in terms of my relationship with the EA Sports Big lineup. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. EA Sports Big and my tenuous uh, college career kind of go hand in hand, and I don't <laughs> think that either one or the other will exist uh, again in my life at this point. But yeah, I don't know. Do you have, do you have things like that, Brad? Um... I want to say playing the original Quake online. Oh, uh, man. You then, can never go but back that's to Quake but, but then, World. But then, that's totally true for me as but well. But then the very few times in the recent his, in the recent past that I have played Quake online, it almost felt like I was just that's, sort of diving right back in. I, it yeah, felt but, amazing. 
it won't. It's never going to have the same hold over but your you're life. You're right. You're right. Yeah, like, you can put it down. Right. So much that, that said, like going back into WoW, even if you were able to go back into the WoW of that same era, the people yeah. in it would be different. Like all of yeah. that, that mm-hmm. experience That's would be true. very different. Whereas, but I think I think WoW is a WoW is weird. It is, but I, I think in an MMO, even though so much of it is dynamic and social and whatever, enough of the time you spend in those games is doing dumb, essentially single player stuff surrounded by <laughs> interchangeable people running around who could might as well be ais that's true i think you would still i think go like especially a game like wow where there's amazing sort of lighting transitions as you go from zone to zone i bet stuff like that would bring back an insane sensory if if there was a way to hop on like a a winged transport and fly across the map that was the way that it was the first three months of wow people's brains would do crazy things i think that's the first time i've ever heard anybody call out what you just described in that game which like like sort Those of was quietly memories. one of my yeah. favorite things about that mm-hmm. game Absolutely. was the way the atmosphere changed like yep. literally as you crossed the yep. boundary yeah. into another zone like it was, that, it was masterful yeah it and was I, don't think, I don't feel like yeah. it gets enough credit for for what was so special about that game i loved it and i think time. most games would try to mask that transition because it seems artificial but to me, it was the thing that sold that world. Yeah, like, I thought it was just wonderful. Yeah. I would, I would walk back and forth across. Uh, totally, absolutely. Yeah. You'd swim, swim across the river into uh, what was it, Halloween Land? Was it yeah. Dusk, Duskwood yeah, or whatever? It was it, to, the, to the yeah, south, yeah, and yeah. like yeah. just watch everything get really bleak yep. and and, yep. and desaturated. Yep. Like it was, oh, it was great. Yeah, fantastic. It's an, it's an interesting point that he brings up about uh, those games changing, mm-hmm. uh, kind of irrevocably. Like you can't bring yeah. back. Like I thought that. Like I didn't play Cataclysm. I I was beyond caring about WoW no, at that me, point. Me but but they took a an enormous quantity of content that had been like on a live server for years and just like flushed it. Right? Yeah. It it would like never, they remade the entire world. It would never happen in part for technological reasons, I imagine. But it, I wish that companies like Blizzard had either the desire in in just and of themselves or had a relationship with someone else that would allow them to even just like do the equivalent of like a demo recording of 24 to 48 hours of one wow server per major iteration just because one you'd be able to actually preserve it you could actually see what it looked like in real time like if you had a static build of wow and the ability to just roll through 24 hours of playback time but also the amount of crazy social study that you could do with 24 hours of of comprehensive data of every yeah. single interaction God. that happened on an MMO server. Such a fantastic idea. It would be the craziest shit in the entire world. Like it seems like it would be totally like, manageable. Like what could to you do, do with a well. week of Eve Online? Holy shit! Oh my god! Like, I know it would be crazy. God, Eve would that would be the game that would do it too. That would, yeah. that would be the company that would buy. They're, it. they're just like, oh, you guys didn't know that we've secretly been recording every <laughs> single thing forever. The data mining and selling secrets to yeah, the Soviets all the time. Yeah, what you don't know is that Eve Online actually is modeling some other nation's uh, economy. Like they <laughs> they've just decided that that nation, like that nation, ended up themselves doesn't they just their their money values are entirely driven by this one they're eve pegged server. to the yeah. eve kroner or yeah. whatever it is like isk, isk. Like yeah. Thing. yeah yeah the, the the stuff about wow and about like you know like a whole a whole lot of wow vanished you know when cataclysm came out and is just inaccessible mm-hmm. now like that kind of that kind of dovetails with something we were talking about on our podcast this week in light of the ps4 not having any kind of backwards compatibility and like mm. this kind of idea of like preservation of, of of digital legacy you know like yeah, like yeah, kind yeah. of the decades of video games and like yeah. who's going to keep that stuff around in perpetuity for people to experience you know and like it kind of falls to the hobbyist you know because there's no oh, it absolutely does. there's no because, there's no like financial incentive for a publicly right. traded company to keep the stuff alive they don't give a shit because they're not making money and on even it. even on the individual level like an individual person is not going to care about that enough for it to matter much to sony 
and probably most individual people, like a, the average person who buys a PS4, if it did have full, complete backwards compatibility, the average person is probably not going to be playing a lot of PS1, PS2, or even PS3 games on it just because that's how the entire console cycle is based around getting you to buy a bunch of new shit every time. What sucks is the aggregate in the long term. Like, it's a case where the the lack of sort of strong individual demand or need in the short term um, is just not really there, at least not in the quantity it would take Sony to do anything about it. But the effect that has in the long term is actually a big pain in the ass and kind of shitty. Yeah, and it leads to it leads to like a really kind of patchwork preservation effort mm-hmm, where you exactly, have people yeah. like trying to reverse engineer stuff or emulate mm-hmm. it or or you know, make, and it's just make... way harder than it than it yeah. should be in a world that operates like how most media does, right. which I is think that it can be digitally archived kind of agnostically. That stuff surely will level out at some point, just because the base level of technology that's available to people will be good enough that software emulation is not as challenging sure, an issue as but it was. You still, it's still the fact that there isn't. The investment in making there be an actual legitimate online marketplace where you can always buy that stuff. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, just, that's the concern now. That should exist and it doesn't because people are people, I think. But like – I just mean it's understood if – if uh, it's understood that most commercially released like musics or movies at this point in history right, but, are just going to get added to the online but canon of stuff that's Games available. are still just technologically harder to do that with. Oh, I know they are. Like you can't software oh, emulate a PlayStation 3, but you can software emulate a PlayStation 2. Yeah. I, I and know. I think up up until a few years ago, we didn't have – like SD video was prohibitive to store digitally for most consumers, let alone stream. But once hardware and software got to the point that you can you can, you know – the same digital print that shows in a theater can play on your 4K TV. Sure. I, so, what like, what I mean, I just think the the level of, of technological accessibility will flatten out. And, like, it it seems like we should be further ahead than we are right now, but I just think practically maybe we're not. Sure. So, there, but what, a, I, what I'm saying is that, just to clarify what I was saying, is that the the difference between this and, like, films, for example, is that for the most part, there's been... Obviously, there are films that are lost, especially older films, and archival is still actually a problem. But broadly speaking, there's been an, a relatively unbroken chain of selling movie, even not the most notable, even only relatively notable movies, sold in some form continuously since they were released, like on VHS and then DVD and then now Blu-ray. That and only stuff. started in the eighties, though. No, I know, but I'm saying that I'm right. But the '80s has been decades now. But I'm just saying in games we have this. We have that, a. That's br- also not true. There's thousands and thousands of films that were released on VHS that never made it to DVD, and then thousands and thousands more that never made it to Blu-ray, let alone that are available digitally. Like there's stuff that you can't like at Noir City every year. There's stuff you can't watch on DVD, but you could find a shitty VHS of. But the best copy you're going to find is on film. Right. I know. I'm saying that's definitely true for movies older than a certain age. I'm just saying that since home video has become a common thing. It's become mm. kind of expected that stuff will be available in some form or another. I just don't think that there is. Yeah. Yes. I just think from a practical standpoint, the equivalent of that doesn't exist because there's not a universal way that makes it, that's convenient enough from the underpinning underlying no. technology. Side. No, I agree. There's no universal way. I'm just saying that by eschewing backwards compatibility, it means that a lot of these games are just going to have a huge gap of time during which they've never been on sale in any legitimate way, yeah. which just makes them less le- just makes it less likely that any company that owns this huge umbrella of content is going to ever care about putting them back on sale because they just fade from the collective memory. Right. That's I what I'm saying. The difference between 
restoring a film and restoring a PlayStation 1 game is with a PlayStation 1 game, you spray some Windex on the disc, <laughs> put it in the drive, rip the ISO, and then it just works guaranteed if you have a reliable software emulator. Like, there's no restorative process necessary so, to bring, that, to bring uh, that deep cut back out of the back catalog it, at some point. It depends. I guess it depends how official the software emulator is because even, even fairly mature emulators still have to do a lot of game-specific work to... to that's iron true. out all of the all of the that's um, true. compatibility. I think well, there's there's a secondary concern that sprang up with these last consoles, which is not uh, not the ability to run the software necessarily, but to obtain it at all because sure. yeah, because there's this whole other category of games about. now that that is only being curated in this closed remote system that's run by like a, a private entity as opposed to like you know traditionally games exist on physical media that can be transported and right. traded I mean, the, and, and stored. The place that it's going to get incredibly insane is if like, this example isn't real, but like if Journey 2 yeah. came out on the PS4 and was streamed to you, so right. no one ever had a local copy of the Journey code right. base, that game is just deleted the moment the Sony deletes it. It's never coming sure. back. Yeah, And, and, and you, I mean, you, MMOs are like that, but seeing, seeing that happen for single-player right, experiences. Right, right. Is that I mean, what you're talking about? Or you kind of, kind of, yeah. Well, you know, there's like a, all the people that have sunk a lot of money into like PSN and XBLA purchases this generation mm-hmm. seem to be afraid that, you know, at some point if a switch gets flipped and those oh, things yeah. are and no longer available. that's not true about games either. That's just true of digital content sure. generally, yeah. which is like we haven't really this, – this has not been a common thing long enough for us to have to deal with that on a huge scale. Like is it assumed that I'm going to own all the digital stuff I've bought for the entire rest of my life? Like – who knows? Legally, no. You just well, have a right. license yeah. to view that content. <laughs> no, I know. That's what um, I mean. Like, what's the practical right. result of that? The, the thing about that stuff that is, I guess, less bothersome to me, although I, like that still freaks me the hell out, is I know that at least there are enterprising people in the world who don't mind breaking the law to acquire an archival copy of that in in the event yeah. that that stuff just becomes officially deleted from civilization because... Mm-hmm. Sony or whoever turns the server off, stops the storefront, deletes the account database. Whereas the, the further and further we get into these things being cloud-based and being streaming-based, eventually, like, if someone made a game that was an on-live exclusive, that game is just never going to exist. Yeah. Like, no, society will never have a copy of that game. Except they'll have a YouTube video of it, but they'll never, ever, ever have it. Like, right. if, it's that's weird, because it yeah. didn't, isn't part of the PS4 thing that there is Gaikai. there is back catalog yeah. access, but it's going. Uh, to be it's it. it's very pie in the sky. They had the, 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 oh, yeah. they, they very came out and kind of said this is what we'd kind of like to do. The, but the we're not pitch, making any the promises. Pitch, though, was back catalog through yeah, an on live type that's streaming service. Definitely one of the potential uses for it, but they didn't. Yeah. They certainly haven't committed to that yet. Hmm. Um, but that's that's the only realistic avenue they have. So you know, weird. there's there's no everything's weird now. Hardware based. It's stuff, all super yeah. weird. I mean, that's kind of I guess what I meant with like we don't know what that means in terms of licenses it's just i it's weird because we have no idea what it looks like broadly like the yeah. way that we over the way that we scale. buy things has changed a lot over centuries but the the concept of just having a physical thing that you own has not changed like it deteriorates in a physical way that's relatively predictable but there's absolutely no way to predict how all this like digital rights ownership stuff is going to It's one out. of those things that seems like people aren't going to notice or think about it until a really notable service catches the public eye really really well and then explodes right yeah. like until people feel like they've actually been stolen from because as of right now there's always I the one could, guy that you know who had something happen but like and i think you could extend that even to um things like facebook like services that aren't even 
like media that you that you watch or read or play, but just things that have become intrinsic parts of our lives that are still completely. Uh, it would be weird like if Facebook transient. just went dark. I know. It would be weird if Facebook went dark, but only after they barfed all of your public information out onto the internet <laughs> somewhere else. Like if Facebook went dark in the way that like a weird boss dies, where it just goes, and then just... <laughs> a weird boss dies? Yeah. <laughs> like a yeah, boss. Who vomits out all your personal information. <laughs> yes. You know how... Never mind. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. What you're saying is that my or life's like, going to start to suck when I beat Zuma. Yeah. When that frog goes, and then you realize that often some weird public Dropbox is your credit card number and social security information. Yeah, that's not gonna be and also an icon of Azuma achievement. <laughs> <laughs> Which weirdly also is your social security number. <laughs> yeah. Want to do one more reader mail? Yeah, sure. One more guy? One more dude. All right. Rudy Basso run away says, okay. hey, Thumbs. Yeah, sorry. Probably, oh, hey, probably over our time. He says, hey, Thumbs, I recently got an, an argument on the internet about whether Aliens Colonial Marines is better than Rebellion's 2010 Aliens vs. Predator game. I think yes. One of the big criticisms I had about the AVP game was that your character couldn't crouch or use iron sights. As someone who mainly plays FPSs, not having these two genre staples made me feel vulnerable and awkward, especially since there was no reason given for taking them away. The person I was arguing with stated that it was an, this was an effective design choice by the developer to purposely build atmosphere and invoke a feeling of helplessness, which should be a goal for a game about Aliens. That can't be right, though, right? Is it a cheap move to subvert genre standards without explanations to immerse players into a game? Can you guys think of any any effective examples? Thanks, Rudy. P.S. I think Nick Brecken is a pretty okay guy. Doom 3 Flashlight is, like, number mm-hmm. one. I think Resident <laughs> Evil 4, just the way that game controls generally. Yep. I, I actually agree with this guy's friend, like, for the most part. I think it depends. I mean, I think there's a, there's a point where ideolo- ideology and execution collide if your if your execution is not actually oh sure like if it's not actually an enjoyable play experience and not like not for the well it's supposed to not be enjoyable right, but right, just right. like if, if it just doesn't if work the, for what yeah, you're trying to achieve if the developer's yeah. intended effect isn't showing up because just the execution doesn't work under poor execution it, then it's yeah. time for a new idea no no I, I agree entirely but i think just both of these games, as far as I can tell, are not super well received. So we're kind of operating sure, in like but I think theory, theory land. But like, uh, but I think I don't like when a game feels like you should be allowed to do everything because video games allow you to do right. everything. That's I basically think what I mean. Yeah. Game design is just is the act of choosing the systems and limitations that you put up on your player to create a very specific type of player expression. So saying. I'm annoyed that I can't use iron sights because I should always be able to use iron sights. Like, well, I'm annoyed that I can't just fucking walk away and get on a bus in most video games to, right. get, rid of, to get out of the <laughs> stupid situation that I'm in, but I can't. The designer decided to not include a bus system. Right. Um, I also, like, like in this example, I, I, I like the idea behind not being able to, what, what are the two things? Crouch and use, use iron, iron sights. Yeah. Like, I like the potential intended effect, but I also think in a game of that style, I would feel that those things no, are no, missing. No, I, I agree. So, I, I mean, it like, might be the case the that the problem is being tried to try, the problem is being attempted to solve and the specific choice made for the solution right. are two separate conversations. No, I agree entirely. <laughs> when I said I think I agree with this friend, I meant just in theoretically, I haven't played either of these games, so I can't, I don't know if he's actually right in this instance, but I think. Generally speaking, it's probably harmful for part of game design to come with a bunch of built-in assumptions predicated on what genre you're in 
that just say this must do this because X number of other games have done it before. And therefore these mechanics have become enshrined in just sort of majority consensus. You know, I think that is probably not great. But also, yeah, just thinking about it in terms of what do you want your players to do, but also what is, what are the verbs that you expect to exist with this character and this setting and this story and this theme. Mm -hmm. So in that regard, I could see I'm a fucking space Marine Maybe I can crouch. No, totally. Yeah, but, yeah, for sure. But also, I'm a space marine in the Aliens universe, and I'm not freaking out about events that are occurring to me. That it's probably means that's yeah. bad. Like, yeah. You should probably... If it's an Aliens game and you're a colonial marine or some other space marine type man, hopefully <laughs> your experience as a or player lady. in that story... Or lady. Often a very notable lady in yep. an alien game. Mm-hmm. Aliens. Man, no one's made an alien game. But whatever. Yeah, that's the failure that's um, going on. But yeah, hopefully you as the player are ex- experiencing the sorts of emotions that you see a space marine experience in aliens. Mm-hmm. You're probably saying game over and making a lot of game over jokes about <laughs> games in your headline writing. <laughs> yes. Brad. It has a game over joke. I don't know if you've seen it. The new game does? Yes. Surprise! Oh, is it when you get game over? Does it sound no, like it's actually it's game over? It's actually when you go to exit the game and it says, game over, man? Oh, my God. All right, this podcast is over. <laughs> thanks for listening to us. Thanks for Brad Shoemaker <laughs> joining us on All Thumbs. Uh, it's good to see you for yeah, the thanks first for time here since Absolutely. in like 80 Ages. episodes. God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, were, yeah. you were in that, that tower, that high rise last time. I know. Yeah, that was by. years ago. Oh, Rainbow many, Heights. Many, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but now where are we? In a low rise. No, what's the name of this place? Oh, Active Space. No, it had a name at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> You've already forgotten oh, it. Oh, I've completely forgotten. It was called like the Fun Cool Zone or something. Oh, the Fancy Office or something. Ooh, fancy, fancy Space. Was in it. Fancy Space. Mint yeah. Chocolate Chip Land. You don't, oh yeah, that's what. Thanks. Yeah. I think I just said we had fancy microphones. I oh no, you sp- named the space the Fancy Space. Okay, well here we are in Fancy Space, <laughs> bidding goodbye to our readers and to Brad Shoemaker of GiantBomb.com slash video games. Slash wizard. Oh, uh, visit audiblepodcast.com slash wizard for... Um... Your free audiobook download. Oh, yeah. I mean, and for video games. Maybe go go to this site and sign up for the thing. I promise there's lots of sweet video games there. <laughs> Don't say these things. This is, <laughs> it's actual audiobooks. And they're good. Dot com. Video games. Hey, it's Bombcast, and it's ba doop ba doop And we're like, this is idle <laughs> thumb. That's a... Fuck off. <laughs> uh. Video games. It's called The Fancy Space.